Today I'm continuing with a series on faith practices. Uh, so if, if you have not been with us, we have been working throughout the summer through these things that we call faith practices. Maybe you've heard of them as spiritual disciplines, habits. Those habits that we do as people of faith that help us to become better disciples. And that's what I've been saying every single week. Better. That's the word that we're after here. That for those of us who maybe have been Christians for a long time, it's not a question of whether we are a disciple or not a disciple, but can we be better disciples? People who follow Jesus in a better way, more closely, that our faith can grow through that. The answer is yes, we can. And the way to do that is through these things that we call faith practices, these habits that we have that help us to become better disciples. We've been going through a number of those. We look at one each week, and so this week we're up to the faith practice of listening. Listening and what it means for us to be people who listen. I had the opportunity back in May to spend two days at a retreat, a listening retreat, and it was at the Christian Reform Conference grounds, which is uh, like a camping place on the shores of Lake Michigan. Some of you are familiar with that. And so I was there for two days, and I was gathered with 12 other pastors. There were a dozen of us there, and the point of it was to listen to each other. This was put together by our denomination, the Christian Reformed Church, and it was bringing together a group of pastors who cover a wide range of contexts in the churches that we serve, all right here in West Michigan. But knowing that we're living in a time with a rather divisive culture, that we are people in this country who are divided, the point of this was, could we bring people together who are different and find how to listen to one another. So of the 12 pastors at this retreat, some of them were from Classis Zealand. And if you know anything of Classis Zealand closer to the lake, they came from churches and the church contexts, the context that they serve, well, they're rather traditional and conservative churches. And they hold rather traditional and conservative positions. Some of the pastors at this retreat were from Classis Grand Rapids East, here on the other side of town. Those are churches and contexts where mostly those churches tend to be more liberal churches, more progressive churches. And then there were pastors of people like me who said, I will admit, I am a moderate centrist. I try to just sort of hold this middle place of, can we just all be welcome and hold a church here where I know in this church we have people who cover a range and we don't all fit neatly into any one category on one side or the other. So we all come together in this place, and for two days, we express sort of the context of our ministries and where we're from and what that means, even though they're widely different from each other. And here's what we learned through that. We learned that all right, we didn't have a problem expressing or talking about the context in we serve. We didn't have a problem talking about or knowing or expressing the positions that we hold the thing that we had to learn, the thing that we were not so good at, the thing that we had to recapture was listening. How to listen. Listen to one another. The result was not that somehow by the end of the two days we all got to the same place on the same page. That was never the point. The result was after two days, I learned a little something more about how to listen well 
to people who are very different from me. And it's something I still have to learn more. I'm not saying I've got that one down and mastered. There's still more to go. And maybe that's true for all of us. That learning how to listen well benefits us. Because here's what that did for me. Here's what I realized that even in listening to people who are very different from me in certain ways, when I truly listen, I understand better. That doesn't mean I always agree, but at least I understand a little better where people are at and where they're coming from. Understanding people better helps and reminds me that all people are created in the image of God, that we all bear His image. We all have value because of that in who we are. Listening well reminds us of that. So, a few things today about listening and what it means to listen well. I'm actually going to look at two passages today. The first one, uh, I don't have printed for you in the bulletin. This one just sets the context around it. Then we're going to get to the passage from Psalm 19. So, first I'm going to read just a few words from the Gospel of John that set the context for listening. Then we'll look at Psalm 19 that says a little something about what we're listening for and who we're listening to, okay? Before I do that, uh, let's pray together. God, we're about to open your word, and we know that these are your words given for our lives. So we pray that as we hear these read and spoken, that we wouldn't just see words on a page, wouldn't just hear words spoken, but that we would see and hear you speaking through them. Lord, may you speak to each one of us exactly what it is we need to hear from you today. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. All right, first a little bit of context. This is from the Gospel of John chapter 10. I'm just going to read it. It's not here for you to see anywhere else, but sets the context. A few words from Jesus. He says this, Very truly I tell you, Pharisees, anyone who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate but climbs in by some other way is a thief and a robber. The one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought them all out on his own, he goes on ahead of them. And his sheep follow him because they know his voice. But they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away from a stranger because they do not recognize a stranger's voice. Jesus used this figure of speech, but the Pharisees did not understand what he was telling them. Something from Jesus there about recognizing the voice of God, that people who are God's disciples, his sheep, recognize the voice of God when he is calling, when he is talking, when he is leading. Now, that story in particular, it doesn't say anything more about So what is that voice? How do I know that voice when God is speaking? How do I understand when it's God and maybe when it's not? When it's what that story calls the voice of a stranger. How do we know that? How do we listen well? 
That's what we're getting into today. So now I'm turning to Psalm 19. Psalm 19, I'm just going to read the first six verses. Uh, They will not be on the screen here because I want us to see that passage as a whole. It is printed in your bulletins, though. So if you have a bulletin to follow along, you can see it there or open one of the Bibles in front of you. I'm just going to read the first six verses of Psalm 19. Here's what the psalmist says. The heavens declare the glory of God, and the skies proclaim the work of his hands. Day after day, they pour forth speech. Night after night, they reveal knowledge. They have no speech. They use no words. No sound is heard from them. And yet, their voice goes out into all the earth. Their words to the ends of the earth. In the heavens, God has pitched a tent for the sun. It is like a bridegroom coming out of his chamber, like a champion rejoicing to run his course. It rises at one end of the heavens and makes its circuit to the other. Nothing is deprived of its warmth. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. I just read the first six verses there. If you were to read on the rest of Psalm 19, the subject shifts there from the earth, the creation, to the law, that God also speaks through his law. We see that through what David writes about that in Psalm 19. But I just picked on that first bit, those first six verses. The creation. The American Journal of Psychology, in a recent article that they published, uh, and it's a journal that's sort of an academic study kind of journal, so peer-reviewed articles, they recently published an article that talked about and pointed to the health benefits of walking outside in nature, that people had healthier lives simply by taking a walk outdoors in nature. Now, I know some of that is, of course, you're healthier because you're exercising, you're walking. But they pointed to a couple of things that, in particular, this was different because it wasn't exercising at a gym on a treadmill or going on a track. Or it wasn't walking the city blocks of a downtown urban area. The thing that they were pointing to was nature. That being out in the creation itself had a benefit. People were healthier when they would do that, just spending time outdoors in the creation, in nature. Maybe we know a little something about that from time to time. There's several people here I know who like to camp, who enjoy camping, and um, part of me thinks, you know, there might not be a rational explanation for camping. It doesn't really make sense in some ways. Why would I leave all the comforts of home, electricity, plumbing, air conditioning? Why would I leave all of that behind and go spend a week in the woods? Or, okay, some of you maybe have those recreational vehicles where you actually take all the comforts of home with you. And maybe there's others of us who would say, that's not really camping, right? That's not a debate that's going to help us here today, but we do it. We go camping. We, we get out into the woods in nature because 
I think there's something we know and understand. There's something good about this that revives us, rejuvenates us, just to break away from all other routines, quiet ourselves, quiet our minds, get away from all the other noise and clutter, and simply be outdoors. There's something about that, isn't there? I think we know that. There's a benefit to that. And Psychology Journal is pointing to actual data and study that confirms it. That says exactly the same thing. We do those things outdoors because there's something we hear when we're out in nature. At least that's what David is writing in this psalm, right? That God reveals something of himself through his creation. I want us to see what uh, one of our doctrines, one of our confessions has to say about that. So, I mean, these are words that come from the Belgic Confession, Article 2. It's a 500-year-old document, so it's been around a while. But the question that Article 2 of the Belgic Confession asks is, how do we know about God? How do we know who God is? And this is the answer that they give in that article. It says, we know God by two means. First, by the creation preservation, and government of the universe. Since that universe is before our eyes, like a beautiful book in which all creatures, great and small, are as letters to make us ponder the invisible things of God, God's eternal power and divinity, as the Apostle Paul says in Romans 1.20. All these things are enough to convict humans and to leave them without excuse. And second... God makes himself known to us more clearly by his holy and divine word, as much as we need in this life for God's glory and for our salvation. So even our doctrine, our confessions say, yes, we see God simply in the creation around us. Now, that's not to mean that the creation is somehow divine, like God is nature, it's not saying that. What it's saying is that we see through the creation the one who created it. That the creator is visible behind that. Sometimes just simply getting away and being in nature makes that more clear in ways that maybe we otherwise miss in our day-to-day -day lives. It helps us to listen. Listen. That's what we're after here today. We're, we're talking about what it means for us to have this faith practice, this spiritual discipline of listening and what that means for us. Because here's what we have to acknowledge, that we are living in a world today that is bombarded by noise all the time. There were a couple of years where my family lived on the south side of Chicago. And living on the south side of Chicago, we lived in a neighborhood where um, there was always noise of some kind, right? The takeoff and landing pattern for Midway Airport was about 10 miles from where I live. So there was always jets overhead. I-80 was about a mile away. There's traffic all the time. Lights. There's always lights on. It's never dark with street lights and parking lot lights and suburb city lights, all of that. After a couple years in Chicago, my family moved to a Kalamazoo, and we lived way up on the northeast side of Kalamazoo, and it struck me after living there a little while of, wow, 
there are stars that come out at night. It had been years since I had seen stars out at night because in Chicago you never see them. There's always so much other light going on. It happens that way. Or how quiet it would be, particularly in the winter, right? There's no tree frogs and bugs and that kind of thing. But you go outside and it's just quiet. There's no traffic. There's no jet planes. Something about just quieting away from the noise helps us hear and listen to what God is saying through that. Listening is something we could all do better through that noise. How did all this come to be then? All of this noise. All these other voices around us where they come to us. It was back during the time of the American Revolution and the French Revolution that one of the main mediums for communicating at that time was print, the printed press. So if, you, uh, are, if you're a historian and study any of these time periods, you know that during Revolution era, American Revolution and French Revolution, newspapers and pamphlets in particular were flowing regularly. Because that's how people communicated their ideas. That's how they got the word out. That's how the message was sent. That's how you would listen to find out what's going on in the world, what's going on around you, by reading these things. Consider how far we've come since then. Radio comes along, and it covers a broad range of things, right? In the early days of radio, there were entertainment programs, news programs, music as it went as recently as 1994, radio was used in Rwanda to spur on an uprising of ethnic cleansing. That the Hutu people in Rwanda used radio broadcast to send their message out of ethnic cleansing in, in 1994, a near genocide in Rwanda of the Tutsi people. They used radio to broadcast that one out where people were listening. Television, think of all the ways that television has advanced. From some of you who remember maybe getting your first television to maybe my generation where I remember we had four channels and that was it, to what do you have today? Everything is out there on television. And do I even need to say anything about the Internet and what the Internet brings us? So much noise and voices competing to grab our attention. How do we listen through all of that? Or maybe the better question is, who are we listening to? Who are we listening to? Let me start with that question. To whom are we listening? Who am I listening to? You know, because maybe back in those generations ago, you listened to whatever the media put in front of you whether it was the newspaper that you got, what was printed, or what happened to be on the radio, or out of the four channels that came through on broadcast television, you went with that. And, and they tried to cover a range, didn't they? They sort of had to. So, back in the early days of television, you had a broad range of programming to appeal to many different types of people throughout the day at different times. Or, you would find the same thing then in newspapers or other media that they tried to report on all the things that were available. You had different sections of a newspaper for all the different areas that you could report on. Things have become much more streamlined today, haven't they? 
that now you've got entire cable channels that are just news and nothing but news. And even within that, you've got entire cable channels where here's the bend of news that this side's going to take and here's the bend of news that that side is going to take. You find the same thing on the internet with websites too, that you can find exactly what it is you're looking for, what you want to hear. You find the same thing with television and video, streaming services. I dial in to watch only what I want to watch. That it seems like in today's world that we can streamline what it is we're listening to to the point where I can exclusively shut out everything else except what I want to hear, what I want to see, and I can close off everything else. That seems to be the world today, isn't it? That we're listening to a smaller and smaller echo chamber. We see that taking place in how media comes to us. But I want us to point us one step further than that because, you know, when I get in the mail a, um, a little coupon pack from Meyer, and I open it up and there's coupons in there which are just printed for me, nobody else gets this, and look at that, it's all the stuff I buy anyway? How do they know? Or if you're on one of those social media sites, Facebook or Google or whatever, and you see all the ads in the sidebar of, how did they know I was shopping for that? How do they know that's what I'm looking for? How do they know these things? Algorithms. Algorithms are driving the content. right? An algorithm is simply something that's used to gather data about you and predict what you will do next and then put that in front of you. And to do that in a way that pulls you into the next thing. Algorithms control what we're listening to in some ways, right? They keep me going to what's next so that if you're, if you're the kind of person who spends a little bit of time on TikTok, you know it's the next video and the next video and the next video and the next video. An algorithm is putting that in front of you. And the entire point of the algorithm is to keep you watching the next video. Or if you're the kind of person who gets your news online, on websites, you know that there's always the next headline. And they intentionally do that as a way to get you to click on the next headline. The algorithm puts that in front of you because they know, oh, that's a topic I may be interested in. And so I'll go a little further with that. And these media companies all make their money by keeping us engaged. And the way to keep us engaged is to always have that next thing to watch, that next thing to click on, that next thing to read, that next podcast to listen to. That algorithms put that in front of us. So, so let me almost put it to you this way then. Who am I listening to? Really, who is it that I'm listening to? Well, the answer is, I think I'm listening to an algorithm. Because that's the world we live in. There's an algorithm that's putting all this information in front of me, one to the next. And all these voices competing for our attention. So how do we hear the voice of God through that? How do we find God speaking when this is the world that we live in, with all of these messages constantly bombarding us in this way? How do we be people who can hear God through that. Well, the faith practice of listening. 
It is this faith practice of listening that gives us something of how to quiet all of those other voices so that the voice of God can rise above all the rest. How do we get there? How do we do that? How do we recognize that? Because, you know what? Here's the thing. I would imagine we all have the desire to do that in some way. I know I do. Right? I know that I'm a person who thinks, yes, I want to hear the voice of God above all the other voices. Yes, I desire to have a life where I can see and hear God speaking above everything else that's out there. And I may desire that, I may want that, but the desire alone doesn't necessarily get me there. The faith practice of listening helps create the pattern to get there of how we do this. So, let's talk a little bit about how. How we can be people who learn how to listen well. Let me take it back to algorithms, right? If an algorithm is something that puts in front of you the next thing that you're supposed to click on or listen to, or watch, or see. That's the whole point of the algorithm, right? To keep pushing you to what to see next and what to go to further. If that's what an algorithm is, then I think that's what David is saying in Psalm 19. I think David is writing about an algorithm. Nature, the creation, the world itself that God has made, David says, is an algorithm. It's designed to help you see what's next, what's further. The creator who made it, the God who is in control of it all. That it's designed to pull you one step further, one step deeper. That God himself uses algorithms. An algorithm to place in front of us what it is that God desires to see about himself, to hear that he speaks to us. So could it be that the algorithm of creation itself can open us up to seeing the creator who's at work within the creation? That we can see that in the creation itself. Take a walk in the woods and and don't have your earbuds in listening to the podcast or the music, but simply be there. Or take a drive through the country. Leave the radio off in the car, whatever it is you listen to. Or take a trip out to the CRC conference grounds and simply park there and go sit on one of the many benches that overlook the beach. Simply be there. Developing a few habits where I just intentionally shut off all the other voices and intentionally put myself in a place where God's voice speaks through helps me to listen well. It helps me to listen better when I can do that. And then let God speak through his word. I let the words of God in the Bible settle into my thoughts throughout the day, my meditations. Sometimes we read the Bible because we're studying or we're trying to gain new knowledge or insight or information about God. That's not the kind of reading I'm talking about. 
This is reading the Bible simply to hear God speak through his word and to let God speak through his word. A faith practice of listening puts that in front of me. Every day, somehow, every day, God's word showing up like that. So how do we get there? How do we engage something like this? How can I become a person who practices listening a little better than I do now to hear God speaking in his voice? A couple of things that we could say about that. So uh, we've been using the faith practices booklet that we have for this that will have some suggestions for what to do during the week. And that's also available on the website and in the sermon notes in the bulletin, you've got where to find that website so that you can follow some of that. that. If you're doing that this week, you're going to find some things in those resources. Things like consistency, patience, transformation. That's all in the material that you have in front of you available for you in the week ahead. So I'm not going to say more about those things now. I'm going to highlight two other things, two other things that can help us in how to listen well. The first thing I'm going to say is this. Be present. Listening well requires being present. That means I have to reduce distractions, all those other voices around me. I need to turn those voices off in some way. Here's something I think we all need to admit, that as much as we like to say and talk about how we multitask, people are really not good multitaskers. We're not. We can do a lot of things at once, but we don't do them well when we're doing a lot of things at once. And I certainly cannot listen well when I'm trying to listen to all kinds of things at once. So I need to turn off the other voices. Set aside the distractions. That helps to be present. And then be fully present. Give my full attention. Sometimes it means I need to turn off my own voice. You know how this goes sometimes in a conversation that when you're talking with someone about an issue or whatever, instead of listening to what they're saying, I'm thinking of what's my next line going to be. What am I going to say next? Or I think sometimes... Anxiety does this to us. And we're people in a broken world. We all experience anxiety. Let's just be clear about that. Everyone holds on to anxiety in some way. And anxiety has a way of turning up your own voice in your head. That all I can think about is what I'm thinking about. All I can see is what I want to see. All I can hear is what I want to hear. And sometimes I need to turn off my own voice to hear somebody else's voice, to hear God's voice. All of that is part of being present, what it means to be present with God. So that's one thing. I'll give you one more, just one more. Be curious. Listening well takes curiosity. That for me to really listen to somebody else, sometimes I have to ask clarifying questions. Tell me more about what you mean by that. Or explain that a little better. Or give me an example of what you're talking about. Sometimes we need to ask those clarifying questions because in order to really listen and hear what someone else is saying, they need to explain a little further. 
and for them to explain that further and for me to catch it, I have to be curious. Curious of, I really want to know. I really want to understand. I really want to see. Curiosity then brings us to a place of considering new perspectives. Curiosity puts us in a place of asking the questions, what am I not hearing that I need to hear? Or what am I not seeing right now that I need to see? Or what am I not understanding that I need to understand? Right? Curiosity is what drives all good science and all good exploration. It's just the wonder of what am I, what am I missing that I could be learning? What's there that I don't know that I should know and can know? Curiosity brings us there. Curiosity helps us listen. That when we are confronted with those places where someone is speaking, and particularly if it's someone that we don't always align with, so they're saying something that maybe is new to us, different to us, a different perspective, a different point of view. Curiosity helps break into, help me understand what I'm not understanding. And it's true of listening to God, too. That if we approach the Word of God, if we approach the Bible as something that just gives us proof text to confirm what I already want to believe is true, then I'm never going to grow, am I? If I'm in a place where, you know what, here's where I am and here's what I believe and here's what everything is right, and anytime I read the Bible, all I'm looking for are verses that are just going to keep me right where I am, How will I ever grow? But if I read the Bible in a way that says, God, I want you to form me and shape me to be more and more into the image of Christ, I want to read the Bible like that, that I can become more and more the person that you want me to be. That means there are things that I can still learn. That means that God can speak through his scripture and through his world, things that will still bring me to new places to understand who we are, that we can grow to be better disciples. And listening does that with some curiosity. God is always there. It's not that in times when we're trying to listen and we think, I'm trying to listen for God and I'm just not hearing what God is saying. It's not that God is absent. It's not that God is ignoring us. God is always there. God is always speaking. And what we're seeing here today is not just in the times when I have a Bible open in front of me, but all in the creation, in the world that I live in, God is speaking. So may we be better listeners, better listeners to hear God's voice. Keep listening and keep being formed more and more into the disciples that Jesus has created, redeemed, called, and equipped each of us to be. Let's pray together. God, thank you for your word. And thank you that you do speak through your word. Thank you that everything in your world that you've made
points us towards that, that we always see and hear you in the world around us. And Lord, we pray then that as we are people who do the, the work of listening, help us first of all to become better and better at shutting off all those other voices around us, sometimes having to shut off our own voice. Help us be people who can develop that habit of finding those quiet places and surroundings where your words come through. Lord, help us to be people who listen well to you. And God, we pray that you do that not just so that we can hear you, but so that we can be formed into the image of Christ. That is our prayer. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Would you please stand?